All right, this morning I want you to take your Bibles, and you'll need them because we're not going to be putting much of anything up on the screen. And so turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 3. The Gospel of John, chapter 3. For some of you, you remember that when I pastored the church from 1999 until 2006, uh, several things have happened since then. One is that uh, 2015, I got throat cancer. And uh, that pretty much ended my preaching for a while, for most of the time, and definitely my singing. And my wife really appreciated, you just heard her laugh, she really appreciated that. So I can't sing because if I do, and then I lose, lose my voice and, and have difficulties. So uh, bear with me if we have a little bit of interruptions while I have a, a, a bit of water. Nick, if you could bring that up here, please, I forgot that. I'm preaching today because your pastor is still under some restrictions for COVID, and uh, he's trying to abide by those the best possible as he can. And uh, so we want to remember him because he's anxious to get back to the congregation. He wants to serve, and he, he wants to be a blessing to you. And, and uh, he gets blessed, too, when he comes and, do, and, and ministers to you. So remember him and as he's sitting at home, and uh, make sure you're watching Trey today on the, the YouTube or wherever it appears. So we're going to speak to you this morning out of God's Word in John chapter 3. Now, I didn't say anything to you about that, but you've already begun by message. So let's look there together in uh, the Gospel of John. Now, usually when we uh, mentor someone or start uh, talking to someone who's not really familiar with the Bible or just maybe a new Christian, we say, best place to start is in the Gospel of John. It's, uh, it's easy, it's wonderful to read through the Gospel of John, and it speaks to our needs. And so it's going to speak to our needs right now. Now, there was a man, a Pharisee, named Nicodemus a member of the Jewish ruling council, or the Sanhedrin. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, I know you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you're doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can a man be born again when he's old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you a truth, unless a man is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. There are two words that I want you to kind of deal with a little bit this morning. It is, you must. Have you ever heard those words spoken to you? Well, if you've ever grown up in life, you must have heard those words somewhere along the line challenging you, right? You must do this or you must do that. 
I can think back of the many times in, in my life and my experiences, and surely you have them too, is when you must do something. Maybe you've had to do something uncomfortable. Maybe you've had to fall in line with the teachings of your parents or at school or on the football field or whatever it may be. But there is something that you must do. It's imminent. It's important. It's significant. Now, Jesus just said you must be born again. How important is that? How significant is that? Is that something that really needs to be looked at and examined? This morning, we're going to be asking some of those questions. When we look at what Nicodemus was trying to do, he was trying to find out who Jesus really was. He knew he was a miracle worker. He knew God was with him, otherwise he couldn't do those things. So he slipped over at night and he talked to Jesus and Jesus addressed the issue, the problem with Nicodemus, who was a teacher, a ruler, a member of the Sanhedrin, a person who had responsibility for, for Israel in bringing the message to God's people, the Jews. But yet he did not understand. And so he sat at the master's feet that night and Jesus told him, you must be born again. Today in Christianity, I think that's what's missing in so many lives of Christian people is that they have pretty much adopted and accepted Christianity. That Jesus came, he died on the cross, forgive us for our sins, and now we're Christians. Well, that's too simplistic, isn't it? It doesn't really call for much commitment other than the fact, well, I, I am a, I'm a religious person, I go to church once in a while, I attend Sunday school sometimes, or I do this, or I do that. But Jesus told this religious leader, you must be born again. If you have not been born again, then you cannot see, which is not that your eyes, but you cannot perceive what the kingdom of God is all about. If you have not been born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. A lot of times the preaching about being born again is not being done in the churches today. They tell you about a lot of other things you can do. Oh, well, you've got to do this and follow this instruction, or maybe you just have to be baptized, or maybe you need a second blessing, or maybe you need this and all that. But the truth is you need to be born again. Jesus said you must be born again. Now, you might say with Nicodemus, well, what needs to be born again? Well, he kind of explained it. He says, flesh gives birth to flesh, spirit gives birth to spirit. You and I, before we came to know Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, maybe some who have not received Jesus Christ, you have a dead spirit, a dead spirit. We inherited that dead spirit from our fathers, from our mothers, from our generations before all the way to Adam and Eve. You remember what took place in the garden? He said, surely if you'll eat of the fruit of this tree that you shall die. After they ate, did they die physically? No. Did their soul die? No. What was it that died then? It was their spirit. You see, in the perfect perfection of the garden, when God created Adam and Eve, they had perfect fellowship with God. Why? Because they were complete body, soul, and spirit. The spirit enabled them to have a fellowship and a relationship with God. The moment they disobeyed and sinned, that fellowship was broken, wasn't it? Their spirits died that day. 
and they pass that on to the following generations. So it's easy to understand when Jesus told Nicodemus, you need to be born again. Your spirit needs to come to life. And there is a way and a process that all of that takes place. Now, some might say, well, I didn't know I was body, soul, and spirit. Well, sometimes you don't know that until you read God's word and it's explained to you. But it is what creates that relationship. Spirit gives birth to spirit. The only way a person is ever going to get to heaven or be a part of the kingdom of God is to be born again. There's a, a saying, I guess you might say, uh, a commercial that's on uh, television, in, if you've seen it recently. There's an evangelist that has this. He said, uh, if you die, are you going to heaven or not? Has anybody seen that? Are you going to heaven or not? Only two of us saw that? <laughs> Okay, I guess it's not doing a very good job. Well, the truth is, when you die, you're either going to go to heaven or not. The are not is hell. It's as simple as that. You know, he didn't say that because, you know, sometimes when you say those things, it offends people. But the are not means that you're not going to go to heaven. In order to go to heaven, be part of the kingdom, you have to be born again. Jesus said, you must be born again. And when the creator of all things, our Lord Jesus Christ, says you must, what choice do we have? Do we have a choice? Yes, we do have a choice, don't we? And choices result in some circumstances that happen later on. In 1 Thessalonians, in chapter 5, in verse uh, 23b, it says, May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you see, Paul even talks about the fact that we are body, soul, and spirit. This body is going to last for a certain amount of time, won't it? Sometimes it wears out faster than we really want it to. Our soul is who we are but we have a spirit and that spirit needs to be made alive by the work and action of the Holy Spirit I'm going to try and explain that a little bit more but it says in Romans 8:16 that the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children that we are God's children the spirit speaks to our spirit this is how God normally communicates with born-again uh, believers, through the Spirit and through the Word. Because God is, Jesus Christ is the living Word. When you go into the Gospel of, of John, you'll realize that that's what he says in the very beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was. So he communicates to us through the Word. God's children. How can we become God's children? Well, look there in the first chapter of John. Yeah, the first chapter of John. In verse 10, it says, He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who receive him, those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Look at this. 
children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. You must, you must be born again. You can't assimilate into Christianity. You can't be a part of the kingdom of God simply because your parents were Christians. What was passed on to you was a dead spirit. That spirit needs to be made alive. It's an individual choice and a decision that you have to make. Jesus said you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you have been born again. There are two choices. When we look at uh, what it says in John, he said uh, there were those who received Jesus and those who rejected Jesus. Today, in this message, you're going to have an opportunity to do that. You're going to hear the word of God, what he expects from us, and we're going to either receive Jesus or reject him. Some of you are going to rejoice because you have already received him. And you're praising him in your heart right now and thanking him for all that he does for you, for creating a family that he can make you a part of. Two choices, receiving Jesus or rejecting him. I remember witnessing to a man who was... Uh, about my age some years back and he had attended uh, other churches and other denomination and he went from time to time and he believed he was all right with God and I asked him one question one time I said have you ever received Jesus Christ and he said what have you ever received Jesus he said well I go to church and I've been baptized I said uh, I didn't ask you that <laughs> I ask you if you've ever received Jesus and he says I don't I, I, that's foreign to me. I'm not, not familiar with that. I said, but that's the only way you can be saved. You must be born again. You need to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Well, the story is that as we talked a little bit more, he said, you know, I've never, I've never asked Jesus. I've never invited Jesus into my life, into my heart. And I asked him, do you want to do that now? Because now was the time of decision, wasn't it? Now was the time when he was either going to receive Jesus or he was going to reject him. You see, he had religion, but that wasn't the relationship he needed. He needed a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ on a very personal level. And so we prayed together. As we prayed together, he invited. He invited the Lord Jesus into his heart. Uh, a miracle took place right in front of my eyes as I saw that man change for all eternity. That's what needs to happen in the church today. Not all this other stuff that goes on, but people need to come to know the Lord on a personal basis to realize that he has indeed paid the price for our sins, a price that we could never have paid. And yet he did it willingly because he loves us and he wants us to be a part of his family for all eternity. We need to make a choice, don't we? The choice is, are we going to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior? Or are we going to reject him? And if you say, I'm going to put it off, I'll do it at another time. It's not convenient right now. You've already made your decision. 
Because if we were to die tonight, and that could happen, are we going to heaven or not? The choices are made today. As you hear the word of God speak to you and speak to your heart, you need to receive Christ as your Savior. How do we do all of that? Well, if you look over in Romans in chapter 10, Romans is really close to John. You get past Acts and you're right there in Romans in chapter 10. And in verse 13, it says, Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When you call upon the name of the Lord for salvation, he will answer. How does all this take place? Well, if we back up just a little bit there in verse 9, chapter 10 of Romans, verse 9. If you'll confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth you confess and are saved. My friend, it takes a couple things. It takes a heart that's broken over the sin in your life, realizing that if you were to die tonight without the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ, you would spend all eternity in hell. But he does not want you there. He has come to seek and to save that which is lost, not to condemn us, but to save us and to offer that salvation. Have you received that? You need to receive Jesus Christ with your mouth. You confess Jesus is Lord. And that he made the proper sacrifice. God accepted it through the, the proof of the resurrection. And in so doing, now we can call upon him. A person who has need in your life for forgiveness. Jesus is calling you today. There is a chapter in Revelation that I kind of take out of its context in a sense of Jesus is speaking to the church in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. And he says... Here I am, the great I am. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. This morning, is Jesus knocking at your door? I don't know how long he will knock at your door. But when he does, you need to open the door and let him in. You need to receive him as your personal Lord and Savior. Accept his sacrifice on the cross sufficient for your sins trusting in him in him alone is that something that you need to do this morning is God tugging at your heart it's the only way salvation is only found in Jesus in the name of Jesus all the rest doesn't really matter until you received Christ you can't be a disciple, a follower of Jesus until you become a born-again Christian. You can't be just a good religious person until you've experienced the rebirth. This morning, the call and the issue is for if God is touching your heart now, is calling you, you need to respond. What will you do? Will you respond to God's call?